Romans chapter 12, I have preached from this passage of Scripture twice before from this very pulpit. But I think it was Dr. Roloff that said, the Bible is like a ripe cotton field. The more you pick it, the whiter it gets. And I find more and more as I read and study, if you're there, stand to your feet, if you will, please, as I read the Word of God. Paul says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Thank you. And you may be seated. Father, will you help me? Please, Lord. I need you every hour, but I need you this minute, this instant. Help me, O oh God. You know me, Lord. You know who I am. You know my incapabilities. You know my fear. You know, Lord, that I need you for this hour. Help me. Oh, God, in Jesus' name, amen. I was born May the 9th, 1940. You need to write that down. Uh, I was born May the 9th, 1940. My earliest recollections outside of my own family were the railroad trains passing by close to our little, little, little bitty apartment in Memphis, Tennessee, where I lived there with my grandmother because my father was off to war. He had gone ashore five days after D-Day on Normandy. My grandfather at that time was slogging himself across the Solomon Islands fighting the Japanese. The man who was to become my stepfather was the navigator of a lead B-17 flying deep into Germany on a regular basis. I did not know it at the time, but Mrs. Lancaster's father had come ashore also and would be a part of the team that captured the bridge at Remagen and went across into Germany to finally conquer Nazism there in Germany. My earliest recollections were remembering the trains, long trains that went by carrying tanks and other implements of war. All I ever wanted to do was to be, please excuse me, was to be a Marine. I, uh, I walked down with my grandmother one day past the post office 
which had the recruiting offices, and I looked at those signs out in front. There was no Air Force at that time. It was Army Air Force or Army Air Corps. And I said, well, maybe. And uh, then I saw the Navy, and I said, never, no, never. I will never put one of those dumb-looking hats on my head. <laughs> and, you know, with all discretion, with all discretion, you know, if I had to go to the restroom quickly, there'd be trouble. Because have you ever seen those things? they got about 25 buttons before you can unbutton the front of it. And I, and I said, no, that won't work. You know, I, I, I can't do that. But then I saw that Marine uniform. And I said, that's it. That's it. And uh, I didn't have enough sense then to know that I could go to the Army surplus store and buy one. And so I, I finally joined up to get one. And I joined uh, when I was 17 years old. I joined on April the 1st, 1957. I had to get my mother to sign for me. And she wouldn't do it, so I did what a good old American boy would do. I threw temple tantrums until she finally signed it. And I told her, I said, I'm not going to war. I just want to, I just want to join up. And uh, it wasn't too long before I realized that I didn't run things. Somebody else did. But I loved the military. I loved the Marine Corps. Ms. Lancaster loved the Marine Corps. And uh, when we got married, I still had four more years left in the Marine Corps. And it was a wonderful life to us. And then just a few days after I joined, or just a few days after we got married, I uh, got saved. And she was a Christian. She shouldn't have married me. But she fell in love with me, and I understand that. And, <laughs> and uh, But... She did make matters right between her and the Lord. And she told Dr. John R. Rice, she said, I love him. And I know I made a mistake. And Dr. Rice gave her some sound advice. And we were off and running in our marriage. And that marriage has been for <laughs> 54 gracious years since then. And although all of my buddies, they said, uh, Lancaster, you'll never make it. You won't. I didn't graduate from high school. I had more important things to do, drinking and fighting. And so I quit and finally went back and got my GED and then went to Bible college and began serving the Lord. We recently celebrated our 50th anniversary of full-time Christian service. You say, Brother Lancaster, have there been any heartaches? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but very honestly, I can't remember any of them right now. All I can remember... the wonderful blessings of a great God. When I joined the Marine Corps, I was given a book 
which included my general orders, it told me the things that every Marine should do. Didn't make any difference whether he was also a cook or maybe he was a field radio man or maybe he was something else. Number one, he was a Marine. And I had the general orders that the Marine Corps had given me. I've got the general orders that my God gave me. And I'll never be a good Christian until I follow the general orders. Abstain from evil. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Pray without ceasing. Forgive one another. Witness to the lost. Suffer and suffer without complaining. We have general orders right here. I would never be a good Marine unless I followed those general orders. I still have those general orders on my cell phone. One of those general orders says, never leave your post unless you are properly relieved. Don't ever leave your post. Oh, I think about the people that go to the mission field and I can understand maybe your commanding officer, our Savior, says, You've only been there for a while. You've been there to do what I told you to do. And I want you to come back now. But I wonder how many come back? How many leave their posts without the authority of their commanding officer? I wonder how many leave their pulpits without the authority of their commanding officer? I wonder how many quit and go back what I would call to civilian life without orders from their commanding officer. Now let me just ask you, and I've got a, I've got a couple of these fingers pointing back at myself. Are we living by the general orders? Are we just, just, just the general orders? Just things that every one of us know is right. Things that every one of us know that God has told us to do. Are we, are you, am I living by the general orders that God has given us? In other words, here's 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 a way to put it. Are you doing your duty? Are you doing your duty? Did you know, turn if you will in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. One of the most interesting passages of Scripture in the Bible, Luke chapter 17, and look at verse 7. Luke 17, verse 7, the words of our commanding, commander chief, commanding chief. But which of you, having a servant um, uh, 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 plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him, by and by, when he is come, from the field go and sit down to meet and will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith 
uh, we may, I may sup and uh, gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he think that that servant, because he did the things that were commanded him, I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things that you were commanded, that were commanded you, say, ye are unprofitable servants. We have done that which is our duty to do. Are you satisfied to do your duty? Are you satisfied to say, I know the general orders. I'm doing them. Now, you explain this some other way to me, but if I understand it correctly, if we do all that our commander-in-chief tells us to do in the general orders, and we do mo- no more, he says, we are unprofitable servants Because we have done our duty. Go back, if you will, please, to Romans chapter 12. And direct your attention to verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm not trying to give you a Greek lesson or anything like that, but that word perfect will of God is a wonderful, wonderful word. It means the complete will of God. In other words, there is something more There is something even outside. Oh, oh no, I'm not adding anything to the Word of God. But there are commands, there are orders, there are desires outside of this blessed book that God wants you to do and for me to do. Brother Larson, you and this lovely lady married, I I assume. How long? December three years. You're going to China. China. Uh, did you both go to school here? Yes, sir, we did. Now let, let me let me get this straight. And and married. Yes, sir. Amen. Uh, important decision. Yes, sir. Marriage. Would you all agree with me? Yes, uh, you went to school here. West Coast Baptist College. Pretty good school. Amen. <laughs> and you're going to where now? Going to China. Okay, I want you to answer some questions for and show me to. Uh, where does it say in here that you are to go to West Coast Baptist College? I want you to show where, where does it say? I don't see it. <laughs> Pretty important decision. Where does it say in this book that you ought to marry that lovely lady? Don't see that one either. Mm -mm. Did your commanding officer tell you to go to China? Where is it in this book? 
there are going to be important things in your life that you will never find written in this book. But God wants you to rest on this book and He will show you by His Holy Spirit what He wants you to do. But there are some prerequisites. Turn again, if you will, please, to Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I know of not many more personal situations than my own. In jail the last time for, in November 1962. And by the way, if somebody says, wow, Brother Lancaster has a good testimony. Oh, no, my boy does. My boy got saved when he was five years old. He's never been in a jail like his daddy has. He's never been down the road like his father has. We have a beautiful daughter that's never been down the road like my mother was. My mother became an alcoholic and committed suicide. Mrs. Lancaster and I, just not too many days ago, we were at the Peabody Hotel in Memphis, Tennessee, just having a little respite. And if we had looked out a north window on the north side of the Peabody Hotel, I could see the Shelby County Jail where I spent my last night in jail before I got saved. If I were to look the other way, I could see the Memphis, Arkansas Bridge where my mother jumped to her death and killed herself. I thank God that my son and my daughter have never been down that road But I just thank God that God saves sinners. I was a sinner all covered with shame, lost and defiled with no merit to claim. Somehow God loved me in spite of my sin, saved me, redeemed me, and cleansed me within. God did a wonderful thing for me. One glorious happy day. God did a wonderful thing for me. When he took all my sin away. If I could pull it open. Yeah, there'd be scars. And they'll never go away until I see Jesus face to face. But I thank God that he saved my wretched soul. And by grace and mercy, he has chosen to use me. And I'll tell you why. One day I decided I'm going to follow the general orders. I'm going to do what God told me to do. And in doing that, I found that I got real close to the commanding officer. And one day the commanding officer told me, he said, son, I want you to leave America. And I want you to tell Dottie and and I want you just to see how she reacts. And I never will forget that night. Jeff Alverson called me and said, Tommy, there's an opportunity in Germany with a military church there. Would you like to go? I said, oh, let me pray. and Let me talk to Dottie. And I drove all night long from a meeting that I was in and got with Dottie and she had breakfast for me. And then I said, sweetheart, let me tell you 
what the door is that's been opened. And I told her, and she began to cry. And she said, Tommy, I've always known that we would do something like this. I want to tell you something. God's been good to this old boy. And one of the reasons he's been good to me, not because I'm good, but because I have followed my general orders. And I have wanted to be real close to my commanding officer. And getting close to my commanding officer, every once in a while, he tells me some things that are not in the general orders. Just like he told this sweet couple here, some things that were not in the general orders. Let me ask you something. Are you living by the general orders? I believe with all my heart you're never going to hear him sweetly, sweetly, with a still small voice. I don't believe you're ever going to hear him sweetly speak to you until you're following the general orders. But then when you follow the general orders, you will begin to know what his complete will is, what his perfect will is. Young fella, there's a girl waiting for you. You need to marry the right one. Young lady, you need to make sure you marry the right one. Hey, you need to make sure you go to the place God wants you to go to. Hey, you need to make sure that you know it so well that when the first difficulty comes along, you don't cut and run. You stay there until your commanding officer relieves you. I, I would like to ask you to do this at your convenience. We're so blessed to have, now don't get me wrong, we're blessed to have the administration in Washington that we have right now. And we need to pray for them. <laughs> Our country is in perfect shape. When you've got a Marine as uh, what chief of staff. Thank you, sir. When you've got a Marine as chief of staff and another Marine as secretary of defense, we're in, we're in, we're in good shape. <laughs> but um, by God's grace, we need men and women who will have a desire to get close to their commander-in-chief. When I went to advanced combat training in San Diego, my commanding officer was Captain Holmes. Captain Holmes had served at the end of World War II and then in Korea. And um, 
And he was a fascinating man. I think he could grow hair. And uh, now, he's, I, he, he, he shaved his. But I, I, think, I think you could grow a little bit, but uh, he, he, he shaved his. My commanding officer did. I am absolutely certain that he changed uniforms twice a day. Man, I mean. And we had fireside chats. He would come into the barracks on a Friday night. He would come into the barracks, and the first one that would saw him, Stand by, attention, officer on deck. And all of the men would get up, you know. And then, and by the way, he had a olive drab Cadillac, brand new, convertible, with a camouflage top. <laughs> and uh, and um, one night, one of the Marines said, "Sir, we never see." The captain wearing civilian clothes. Does the captain own civilian clothes? He immediately said, stand by, Titch. And we all, and he said, fall out. And we went out and he marched us down to the officer's quarters. He filed us through one rank at a time. He, he, he went in first and opened all of his drawers, <laughs> opened his closet. And when we filed through, we looked at the drawers, and there were socks in perfect order. There were underwear in perfect order, T-shirts in perfect order. We filed by the, the closet there, and there were his uniforms. We got back to the barracks, and he said, your question answered? We all hollered at one time, yes, sir. And then one guy asked the question that everybody has heard, but I really heard it answered, asked an officer and answered by an officer. He said, sir, are you married? And this is what he said. He said, Marine, if the Corps had thought I needed a wife, they'd have issued me one. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that our commanding officer is like that. But what I am saying is this. You better take your general orders seriously. And then you need to get real close to your commanding officer. Because there may be things that are not in the general orders and he may tell you something just like he told the Larsons. Something. Have you volunteered? Have you? When World War II broke out, 
thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Americans rushed to their recruiting offices to sign up. When November the 11th happened and Ms. Lancaster and I were in Germany, a lot of things happened. But for several weeks in our church, it was standing room only. Standing room only. The youngest man to fight in World War II signed up when he was 12 years old. He lied about it. He was from a broken home and he lived on the streets and he went to the recruiting office again and again and again and again and he lied to them, but they knew that he wasn't telling the truth. He finally forged a paper saying that he was older than he was and he went to a recruiting officer that had seen him two or three times before and got tired of him coming and said, go ahead, sign up. He fought his first battle on a battleship out off of Guadalcanal and was awarded for his heroism. Somebody has already said it right this week. How do you get to where God wants you to go? Follow the general orders and volunteer. Lord, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. If you want me to stay right here at Lancaster, California the rest of my life, I'll do it happily because I am not the commander. You're the commander. But, oh, God, if you want me in China, if you want me in Guatemala, if you want me in Europe, wherever you want me, send me wherever you want me to go. Have you volunteered? 